Good morning, my friends. I'm Dr. Armen, Professor Armen Astvatsatjan from Yerevan, Armenia. And today we will talk about asthma. Yeah, for, for you, I'm Dr. Y. So, what is asthma? Asthma is a disease or diffuse airway inflammation caused by a variety of triggering stimuli resulting in particularly or completely reversible bronchoconstriction. Symptoms and signs include dyspnea, chest tightness, cough and wheezing. Their diagnosis is based on history, physical examination and pulmonary function tests. Treatment involves controlling triggering factors and drug therapy, most commonly with inhaled beta-2-agonist and inhaled corticosteroids. Prognosis is good. Prognosis is rather good with treatment. Epidemiology of asthma. The prevalence of asthma has increased continuously since the 1970s, and WHO estimates that 235 million people worldwide are affected. More than 25 million in people in the US are affected. Asthma is one of the most common chronic diseases of childhood, affecting more than 6 million children in the United States. It occurs more frequently in boys before puberty and, it, and in girls after puberty. It also occurs more frequently in non-Hispanic blacks and Puerto Ricans. Puerto Ricans, Latins. Despite its increasing prevalence, however, there has been a recent decline in mortality. In the United States, about 3,400 3, deaths occur annually as a result of asthma. However, the death rate is two to three times higher for blacks than for whites. Asthma is among the leading causes of hospitalization in children and it's the number of chronic conditions causing elementary school absenteeism. Asthma is estimated to cost the United States five, uh, 56 billion a year in medical care and lost productivity. Uh, about etiology, development of asthma is multifactorial and depends on the interactions among multi, uh, multiple susceptibility susceptibility, chance and environmental factors. More than 100 asthma susceptibility, susceptibility genes have been reported. Many are thought to involve the broad category, category of T-helper cells type 2, TH2, T-helpers, and may play a role in inflammation. Examples include the uh, FACR1B gene, uh, which encodes the beta chain of the high anti-infinity uh, immunoglobulin E receptor, the genes encoding certain interleukins. Genes responsible for innate immunity and genes participating in cellular inflammation, for example, genes encoding granulocyte monocyte colony stimulating factor and tumor necrosis factor, TNF-alpha. Also, the ADAM33 gene may stimulate airway smooth muscle and fibroblast proliferation and remodeling. It was the first asthma risk locus found with whole genome family linkage studies. More recent, the most replicated is the chromosome 17q21 locus. The locus 
contains the ORMDL3 gene, which is an allergen and cytokine inducible gene implicated in epithelial cell remodeling and spinculopid metabolism to affect bronchial hyperactivity. Environmental risk factors for asthma may include the following allergen exposure, diet, and perinatal factors. Evidence clearly implicates household allergens, for example, dust mite, uh, yeah, cockroach, pet, and other environmental allergens in disease development in, all, in older children and in adults. Diets low in vitamin C and E in omega-3 fatty acids have been linked to asthma and has, as has obesity, however, however, dietary supplementation with this substance doesn't appear to prevent asthma. Asthma also has been linked to perinatal factors such as young maternal age, poor maternal nutrition, prematurity, low birth weight and lack of breastfeeding. On the other hand, endothelin exposure early in life can induce tolerance and may be protective. Air pollution is not definitively linked to disease development, although it may trigger exacerbations. The role of childhood exposure to cigarette smoke is controversial, with some studies finding a contributory and some a protective effect. But this protective effect very questionable. Genetic and environmental components may interact. Infants may be born with a predisposition toward proallergenic and proinflammatory TH2 uh, to helpers to re immune response, characterized by growth and activation of eosinophilis and immunoglobulin production. Early childhood exposure to bacterial and viral infections and endotoxins, endotoxins may shift the body to Th1 response, which uh, suggests Th2 cells and induce tolerance. Trends in developed countries towards smaller families with fever, fewer children, cleaner indoor environments and early use of vaccinations and antibiotics may deprive children of these Th2 suppressing, tolerance-inducing exposures and may partly explain the continuous increase in asthma prevalence in developing countries the so-called so hypogene hypothesis. Hygiene, hygiene, hygiene hypothesis. So, reactive airway dysfunction syndrome and irritant-induced asthma. So, these rats, reactive airway dysfunction syndrome rats, in the rapid onset, minus two hours, but not more than 20 hours, of an asthma-like syndrome that develops in people with no history of asthma, occurs following a single specific inhalation exposure to a significant amount of initiating gas or particulate, and persists uh, for more than three months. Numerous substances have been implicated. Sorry, huh? Numerous substances have been implicated, including chlorine gas, nitrogen oxide, and volatile organic compounds, for example, uh, from paints, solvents, uh, adhesives. The exposure event is usually obvious to the patient, particularly when symptoms begin almost immediately. 
uh, inhaled-induced asthma refers to a, uh, to a similar persistent asthma-like response following multiple or chronic inhalation exposure to high levels of similar irritants. Manifestations are sometimes more insidious and thus the connection to the inhalation exposure is clear only in retrospect. So rats and chronic irritant-induced asthma have many clinical similarities to asthma. For example, wheezing, dyspnea, cough, presence of airflow lim limitation, bronchial hypersensitiveness, and respond significantly to bronchodilators and often corticosteroids. Like in asthma, the reaction to the inhaled substance is not thought to be an immunoglobulin E-immediate e allergy. Low-level exposures do not cause rats or irritants asthma. However, repeated exposure to the initiating agent may trigger additional asymptoms. So, pathophysiology of asthma. Asthma involves bronchoconstriction, airway edema and inflammation, airway hyperreactivity, airway remodeling. In patients with asthma, TH2 cells and other cell types, notably eosinophils and mast cells, and mast cells, yeah? Um, well, but also the other CD4 plus subtypes and neutrophils form an extensive inflammatory infiltrate in the airway epithelium and smooth muscle leading to airway remodeling, that is desquamation, subepithelial fibrosis, angiogenesis, smooth muscle hypertrophy. Hypertrophy of smooth muscle narrows the airways and decrease reactivity to allergens, infections, irritants, parasympathic stimulation, with, which causes uh, related or pro-inflammatory natropeptides such as substance P, neurokinin A, A and, calci and calcitonin gene related pe peptide and other triggers of bronchoconstriction. Additional contribu uh, contributors to airway hyperactivity include loss of inhibitors of bronchoconstriction, epithelium-derived relaxing factor, prostaglandin E2, and loss of other substance, substances called endopeptidases and metabolized endogenous bronchoconstrictors. Mucus plugging, plugging, mucus plugging, yeah, and peripheral blood eosinophilia and additional classic findings in asthma may be epiphenomena of airway inflammation. However, not all patients with asthma have eosinophilia. Asthma triggers, uh, common triggers of an asthma exacerbation include environmental and occupation, occupational allergens, numerous, cold, dry air, trigger, not a cause, a trigger, Infectious, exercise, inhaled irritants, emotion, aspirin and other non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, NSAIDs, gastroesophageal reflux disease, so GERD. Infectious triggers in young children include respiratory syncytial virus, virus, rhinovirus and parainfluenza virus infection in older children and adults infection, particularly with rhinovirus, upper respiratory infection. Particularly with rhinovirus and pneumonia are common infections triggers. Exercise can be a trigger, especially in cold or dry environments, and cold air alone can also trigger symptoms. Inhaled irritants such as air, 
Pollution, cigarette smoke, perfumes and cleaning products can also trigger symptoms in patients with asthma. Emotions such as anxiety, anger and excitement sometimes trigger exacerbations, very often. Maybe the most often. Aspirin is a trigger, is a trigger in up to 30% of patients with severe asthma and less in 10% of all patients with asthma. Aspirin-sensitive asthma is typically accompanied by nasal polyps with nasal and sinus congestion, which is a condition also known as Sumter's triad. Triad, asthma, nasal polyps, and sensitivity to aspirin, and NSAIDs. GERD is a common trigger, 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 of course, among uh, some patients with asthma, possibly via esophageal acid-induced reflex bronchoconstriction or by microaspiration of microaspiration of acid. However, treatment of asymptomatic GERD, for example, without with proton pump inhibitors, doesn't seem to improve asthma control. Allergic rhinitis, or rhinitis. Actually, rhinitis, allergic rhinitis, often coexists with asthma. It's unclear whether the two are different manifestations of the same allergic process or whether rhinitis is a discrete asthma trigger. In the presence of triggers, there is a reversible airway narrowing and and, uh, uneven lung ventilation. In lung uh, regions, distal to narrowed airways, relative perfusion exceeds relative ventilation does, alveolar oxygen tensions fall, and alveolar carbon dioxide tension rise. Usually such regional hypoxia and hypercarbia trigger compensatory uh, pulmonary <coughs> compensatory, yeah, compensatory, of course, uh, pulmonary uh, vasoconstriction to match regional ventilation and perfusion. However, this compensatory mechanism failed during an asthma exacerbation due to vasodilatory, vasodilatory effects of prostaglandins that are upregulated during an exacerbation. Most patients can compensate by hyperventilating, but in severe exacerbations, diffuse bronchoconstriction causes se- se- severe gas trapping and uh, respiratory muscles are put at a marked mechanically disadvantage to so that wor- the work of breathing increases. Under these conditions, hypoxemia worsens and the CO2 pa- pa- tension rises. Respiratory acidosis and metabolic acidosis may uh, result and if uh, left if if and if left untreated cause respiratory and cardiac arrest. About the classification of asthma, unlike hypertension, for example, in which one parameter, blood pressure, defines the severity of disorder and the efficacy of treatment, asthma causes a number of clinical and testing abnormalities. Also, unlike most types of hypertension, asthma manifestation typically wax and wane. Wax and wane. Thus, monitoring and studying Asthma requires a consistent terminology and defined benchmarks. The terms status asthmaticus describes severe, intense, prolonged bronchospasm that is resistant to treatment. Severity is the intrinsic intensity of the disease process. Uh, That is how bad it is 
Well, let's talk about it. Okay, severity can usually be assessed directly, directly only before treatment is started because patients who have responded well to treatment by definition have few symptoms. Asthma severity is categorized as intermittent, mild persistent, moderate persistent, and severe persistent. It's important uh, to remember that the severity category doesn't predict how serious an exacerbation a patient may have. For example, a patient who has mild asthma with long periods of no or mild symptoms and no pulmonary function may have a severe life-threatening exacerbation. Control is the degree to which symptoms, impairments and risks are minimized by treatment. Control is a, the parameter accessible in patients receiving treatment. The goal is for all patients to have well-controlled asthma regardless of disease severity. Control is classified as well-controlled, not well-controlled, very poor controlled, actually not controlled at all. Severity and control uh, and assessment is, is in terms of patients, impairment and risk. So impairment refers to the frequency and intensity of patient symptoms and functional limitations. Impairment differs from severity by its emphasis or, or, or sorry or, or emphasis on symptoms and functional limitations rather than intrinsic intensity of the disease process. Impairment can be measured by spirometry, mainly forced expiratory volume in first second uh, and the ratio of phi f1 to uh, to force vital capacity. But it's manifested as a clinical feature such as how often symptoms are experienced, how often the patient awakens at night, how often the patient uses a short ASIC acting better to agonist for symptoms relief, and how often asthma interferes uh, with normal activity. So risk refers to the likelihood of future exacerbations or decline in lung function and the risk of adverse drug effects. Risk is assessed by long-term trends in spirometry and clinical features such as frequency of need for oral corticosteroids, need for hospitalization, need for intense, intensive care unit admission, ICU, need for intubation. So symptoms and signs of asthma. Patients with mild asthma and typically asymptomatic between exacerbations. Patients with more severe disease and those with exacerbations experience dyspnea, chest tightness, audible wheezing and coughing. Coughing may be the only symptom in some patients, cough variant asthma. Symptoms can follow a, a circadian rhythm, <coughs> circadian rhythm and worsen during sleep often around 4 a.m. Many patients with more severe disease waken during the night, nocturnal asthma. Signs include wheezing, pulses paradoxus, that is a fall of systolic blood pressure more than 10 millimeter hydrargium during expiration, tachypnea, tachycardia, and visible efforts to breathe, use of neck and suprasternal accessory muscles, upright posture, pursed lips, inability to speak, the expiratory phase of respiratory respiration is prolonged with an, uh, with an inspiratory-expiratory ratio at least 1 to 3. We this can be present through both phases or just on expiration. But patients with severe bronchoconstriction may have no audible wheezing because of markedly limited airflow. Patients with a severe exacerbation and impending respiratory failure typically have some combination of altered consciousness. 
<coughs> cyanosis, pulses, paradoxes, mold, and 15 millimeter hydrargium, oxygen saturation less than 90%, uh, or hyperinflation. Rarely, 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 pneumothorax or pneumomediastinum is seen on chest X ray. Symptoms and signs disappear between exacerbations. Although soft wheezes may be audible during forced expiration at rest or after exercise. In some asymptomatic patients, hyperinflation sorry, of the lungs may alter the chest wall in patients with long-standing uncontrolled asthma, causing a barrel-shaped thorax. All symptoms and signs are nonspecific and reversible with timely treatment and typically are brought on by exposure to one or more triggers. <coughs> About diagnosis, so of asthma, clinical evaluation and pulmonary uh, functional testing. Diagnosis is based on history and physical examination. It's confirmed with pulmonary function test, function tests. Diagnosis of causes and exclusion of other disorders that cause wheezing and are, are also important. Asthma and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease are sometimes easily confused. They cause similar symptoms and produce similar results on pulmonary function tests, but differ in important biologic ways that are not always clinically apparent. Asthma that is difficult to control or refractory to commonly used controller therapies should be further evaluated for alternative causes of episodic wheezing, cough and dyspnea such as allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillus aspergillosis, bronchi bronchiectasis, or vocal cord dysfunction. P pulmonary function tests. Patients suspected or having asthma should undergo pulmonary, pulmonary function testing to confirm and quantify the severity and reversibility of airway obstruction. Pulmonary function data quality is effort-dependent and requires patients a patient education before the test. If it's safe to do so, bronchodilator should be stopped before the test, 8 hours for short-acting beta-2 agonists, such as albuterol, 24 hours for ipratropium, 20, uh, uh, 12 to 48 hours for teophylline, 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 48 hours for long-acting beta-2 agonists, such as sal salmeterol and formeterol, and one week for teotropium. Uh, Spirometry should be done before and after inhalation of short-acting bronchodilator, Signs of airflow limitation before bronchodilator inhalation include reduced V1, FEV1, and a reduced FEV1, FEVC ratio. The FEVC may also be decreased because of gas trapping, such that lung volume measurements may show an increase in residual volume, the function residual capacity or both. An improvement in FEV1 of more than 12 percent or an increase more than 10 percent of predicted fee v1 in response to bronchodilator treatment confirms reversible airway obstruction although absence of this finding should not preclude a therapeutic trial of long-term bronchodilators flow volume loops should also be reviewed to diagnose vocal and vocal cord dysfunction a common cause of upper airway obstruction that mimics asthma however it should be noted that vocal cord dysfunction is intermittent and normal flow volume loops do not exclude this condition. 
Provocative testing in which inhaled metacholine or alternatives such as inhaled histamine, adenosine or bradykinin or exercise testing is used to provoke bronchoconstriction. It's indicated for patients suspecting of having asthma who have normal findings on spirometry and flow volume testing and for patients suspected of having cough variant asthma, provided there are no contraindications. Contraindications include uh, fee V1 less than 1 liter or less than 50% predicted, recent myocardial infarction or stroke and severe hypertension, systolic blood pressure more than 200, 200, 200, 200 millimeter hydrargium, diastolic blood pressure more than 100. A decline in uh, fee V1 of more than 20% on a provocative testing protocol is relatively specific for the diagnosis of asthma. However, FIV1 may decline in response of drugs used in provocative testing in other disorders, such as COEPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, for example. In FIV1 decreases by less than 20%, by the end of the testing protocol, asthma is less likely to be present. To be present. Other tests may be helpful in some circumstances. Diffusing capacity of carbon monoxide, DLCO. Chest X-ray, DLCO, huh? the, the diffusing capacity for carbon, carbon monoxide. Chest X-ray, allergy testing, DLCO testing can help distinguish asthma from chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Values are also normal or elevated in asthma and usually reduced in COEPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, particularly in patients with emphysema. A chest X-ray may help exclude some cause of asthma of alternative diagnosis such as heart failure or heart failure heart failure yeah or pneumonia the chest x-ray is uh, in in asthma is usually normal but may show hyperinflation hyperinflation sorry of segmental atelectasis a sign of mucus plugging Infiltrates, especially those that come and go and that are associated with findings of cerebral bronchiectasis, suggest allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillus, aspergillosis. Allergy testing may be indicated for children whose history suggests allergic triggers, particularly for allergic rhinitis, 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 huh? rhinitis because these children may benefit from immunotherapy. It should be considered for adults whose history indicates relief of symptoms with allergen avoidance and for those in whom a, a trial of therapeutic anti-immunoglobulin E antibody therapy is being considered. Skin testing and measurements of allergic-specific immunoglobulin E via radioallergosorbent testing rust can identify specific allergic triggers. Blood tests may be done. Elevated blood eosinophils and elevated non-specific immunoglobulin E levels are suggestive but are neither sensitive nor specific nor specific for a diagnosis of allergic asthma. <clears throat> Sputum evaluation for eosinophilus is not commonly done. Findings large numbers of eosinophils is suggestive of asthma, but it's neither sensitive nor specific. Nor specific. Peak exercise flow (PEF) measurements with expensive handheld flow meters are recommended for 
home monitoring of disease severity, and for guiding therapy. <coughs> Evaluation of exacerbations. Patients with asthma will in acute are evaluated based on clinical criteria, but should sometimes also have certain tests. Pulse oximetry, sometimes peak expiratory, PEF measurement. The decision to treat an, uh, an exacerbation is based primarily on an assessment of signs and symptoms. PEF measures can help establish the severity of an exacerbation, but are most commonly used to monitor response to treatment in outpatients. PEF values are interpreted, under interpreted in light of the patient's personal best, which may vary widely among patients who are equally well controlled. A 15-20% to 20 reduction from this baseline indicates a significant exacerbation. When baseline values are not known, the person predicted PEF based on age, height and sex may be used, but this is less accurate than a comparison to patient's personal best. Although spirometry more accurately reflects airflow than PEF, it's imp impractical in most urgent outpatient and emergency department settings, but may be used uh, for office-based monitoring of treatment of, or when objective measures are required, for example, when exacerbation appears to be more severe than pre perceived by the patient or is, no, or is not recognized. Chest X-ray is not necessary for most exacerbations, but should be done in patients with symptoms or signs suggestive of pneumonia, pneumothorax, and pneumomediastinum. Arterial or venous blood gas measurements should be done in patients with marked respiratory distress or symptoms and signs of impending respiratory failure. Okay, guys, this was uh, first part. It was first part of our lecture during concerning asthma. It means it must be, con of course, it, it will be continued. Uh, thanks for your attention. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to our channel, and don't forget to make uh, donations. Uh, how to make your donations described in description described in description of this video in YouTube or in podcast. So bye and see you. God bless you.